Trent Griffith reminds us, discipleship comes at a cost, but Christians have an important responsibility. The purpose of the church is to present Jesus as so supremely valuable that you would pay any price to follow him. That's the purpose of the church. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, have you ever heard the expression, the proof is in the pudding? There are different explanations of where that comes from, but they all have something to do with pudding and with the concept that the truth will eventually become evident. Well, when it comes to following Jesus, there is such a thing as someone who says they follow him, but then, well, the proof is in the pudding. Times get hard, or they start to bump up against the cost of discipleship, and then they fall away. Last week, Pastor Trent introduced us to two characters in Luke chapter 9. These were people who claimed they wanted to follow Jesus, but they added some conditions. We'll recap some highlights from last week, and then we'll hear the conclusion of Pastor Trent's message. Here's Pastor Trent. We're going to meet three would-be disciples of Christ, three would-be followers of Christ, and we're going to discover why they actually could not follow Christ. So if you have a Bible, we're going to look in Luke chapter 9. Let's begin in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow. Now that's a great day when somebody says they will follow Jesus. There is nothing I would rather hear on a Sunday than to somebody come walk down that aisle and say, I will follow Jesus. But notice it gets even better. I will follow you wherever you go. This is a great day, you would think. But then notice how Jesus responds. Verse 58, Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, is the title Jesus used for himself, has nowhere to lay his head. We're going to meet these three would-be disciples, these three would-be followers of Christ. I've given each of them a label, a name. The first one I'm going to call the Enthusiast. You know what an enthusiast is, right? An enthusiast is, is a guy that's got a hobby. An enthusiast is somebody that kind of tacks on something to his life. If he's got a little extra time, if he's got a little extra money, he'll spend it doing that. But he's not going to be like sold out to that. It's not the center of his life. And some people treat Jesus like that. Some people treat Jesus like he's a hobby. Jesus says foxes have holes. That's a place of security and safety and comfort for a fox. Birds have nests. That's a place of security, safety, and comfort for a bird. And Jesus said, if you're coming to me and thinking you're going to get safety, security, and comfort, you have an idealistic understanding of what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to follow Christ? Good question. We can't literally, physically walk in the footsteps of Jesus because Jesus' feet are in heaven. 
kicked up on a throne running the universe perfectly, by the way. And so how do you follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means this. First of all, I've heard and responded to the call of Christ to follow him. Secondly, you would say, I have joyfully detached myself from others I was following. I am courageously taking new steps daily in the direction of Christ. That means that he steers where I go. To be a follower of Christ means that you can say, I am close enough to hear and be directed by his words. To be a follower of Christ means that you can say, I have counted the cost of following Christ and found it to be worth it. Followers of Christ know following Christ is hard, but it's not near as hard as not following Christ. It's worth it. Are you a follower of Christ? Or are you just an enthusiast? You just kind of like the excitement. It's cool music and there's fun people. And the, these people are nicer than the people out there in the world. I just kind of want to be a part, kind of on the fringes, on the side. Listen, Christ is calling you to become a follower of his, not just an enthusiast. Secondly, there's a guy in the story that we'll call the analyst. The story picks up here in verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. So Jesus takes the initiative this time. Here's the invitation. Follow me. And I hope you're hearing Jesus call you right now with those same words. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And so one guy hears his voice, but he said, Lord, I don't know what his understanding of the word Lord is, but it's not Jesus's understanding of the word Lord because the next words were let me first. Do you understand that somebody that calls Jesus Lord has given up the right ever to say again these words? Me first. This guy says, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We call this guy the analyst because he is calculating. He is loyal to his family. He's loyal to his father. I will never forget February the 19th, 2007. I was with my family in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our family had gone there to lead a life action revival conference at a local church. It was the second day of that conference. It was a Monday morning. I got a call from my mother in Lawton, Oklahoma, and she simply said to me, your father is dead. 66 years old. He went to bed one night. He didn't wake up the next day. You say, that's so sad. It was incredibly sad, but he's having a great day today. He knew the Lord, he's in heaven, he's cheering us on, and he wants you to become a follower so you can meet him one day. It was a bad day. We packed up the trailer that we lived in. I had to leave the ministry opportunity we had in that church, and we traveled 26 hours straight to get to Lawton, Oklahoma, where a couple of days after that, 
I buried my father. I preached the funeral. I think I did the right thing. I think in doing that, I was following Jesus, being a good son. I think it was right for me to bury my father. So why did Jesus say to this guy, leave the dead to bury the dead? You know why it was the right thing for me to go bury my father? Because my father was actually dead. This guy's father wasn't dead yet. What this guy is saying is, uh, Jesus, excuse me, I would like to be a follower of you, but I need to wait because my father's not a fan of yours. He wouldn't approve of me following you. But when he's dead and I get him in the ground, then all of the conditions are right for me to follow you because then I will not be opposed to in, by my father in following you. And not only that, when dad dies, I'm getting a big inheritance. I'll be more financially secure and set up. And then the conditions will be perfect for me to follow you. That's what the analyst says. He calculates and he's looking for perfect conditions. He's, he's a procrastinator. Listen, the timing will never be right for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. The conditions will never get better. There will not be a more convenient opportunity to, for you to become a follower of Christ. By the way, and you'll never find the perfect church. You know, like when I find the perfect church with a paved parking lot and valet service, that's the one. And then I will follow Christ. Yeah, that's not coming anytime soon. So the question is, when are you going to follow Christ? When are you going to stop offering excuses for when the conditions would be more perfect for you to become a follower of Christ? The cost is always going to seem too high. The time is never going to seem like it's right. And the longer you delay, the harder it will get to make the choice. This guy was focused on the wrong funeral. Before you can come, become a follower of Christ... You have to have your own funeral. You have to choose to die to your old way of living, your old ambitions, and be willing for Jesus to give you new life. That's why Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Your father's spiritually dead. The people you're attached to are spiritually dead. It's time for you to have spiritual life. This guy was loyal to his father, but maybe he'd never stopped long enough to ask if what his father actually believed was true. Some of you are loyal to your father. You should be loyal to your father. You should be loyal to your family. But some of you were raised in a faith tradition or no faith at all, and you've never stopped long enough to ask, is this right? Is this true? Is this the path that God created me for? Is this the path that leads to a relationship with God? Or was it just a bunch of religious ceremony? Was it just a bunch of religious rule keeping? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? One in which you've heard his voice and you've responded, I will follow you. In the fifth century, there was a famous philosopher named Augustine. He was brilliant. He was living with his girlfriend, though they weren't married, 
One day he went to hear a preacher who preached on the holiness of God and the importance of following the Ten Commandments, one of which says, you shall not commit adultery. He was conflicted in his heart. He was convicted by the spirit that his relationship with his girlfriend was wrong. It was immoral. It was breaking God's heart and breaking God's law. And in response to that message, he prayed a prayer that has been passed down through the centuries. We know what he prayed because what he prayed has been prayed by millions of people, including some of the people in this room. Here's what he prayed. Oh, Lord, make me good, but not yet. I'm convicted. I know this is right. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but it's fun. And I'm not ready to give it up. And some of you would say, I know this is right. I like being here. The Lord has spoken. I've heard his voice, but I'm not yet a follower of Christ. Some of you would say, I'm having too much fun in high school. I've got career ambitions. I'm in college. I want to wait till I get all the other things set up. Maybe meet that perfect soulmate that I've been waiting for. And and then when, when we look like the aged photos then, then I will become a follower of Christ because by that time, there's nothing left I'll be able to do. You're an analyst. You're a procrastinator. And you are being called by Christ to follow him. There's one other guy in the story. Verse 61. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first, there's those words again, me first. Let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this guy wants to go home and say goodbye to his family and friends. Does that seem like that's a problem? I mean, shouldn't you be hospitable? And if you're leaving town, you should probably say goodbye to your friends. It seems like a reasonable thing. But Jesus detects something below the surface in his heart that he didn't just want to say goodbye. He wanted to say, is it okay? Are you guys okay with this? I met this guy named Jesus. He seems like a really great guy, but I want to make sure that you approve and if you approve, then I'll say goodbye. But if you don't approve, I may stay around. I may, I may stay here to get your approval instead of Jesus' approval. This is the guy that we call the diplomat. A diplomat must surrender his right to relational approval. There will come a time in your life when you cannot have the approval of your friends and family simultaneous with having the approval of Jesus. It's in that moment that you are exposed as who you follow. And the diplomat can't follow Jesus because he is so distracted following his friends and his family. 
This guy's relationally connected. He's a connector. He's a networker. He has deep relationship. He loves people, and he loves for people to love him. He's a conflict avoider. He needs approval, attention, and acceptance, and therefore he is very distracted from the priority of following Jesus because he's constantly looking for approval from everybody else. Jesus says, you don't put your hand to a plow and plow straight rows if you're always looking back. That illustration has no meaning for any of you because none of you have ever put your hand to a plow and tried to plow a field with a hand plow. Let me update the illustration. Nobody puts his hand on the steering wheel and tries to drive the car and stay in the right lane while you're looking over the shoulder at your kids in the back seat. You're a distracted driver and you're dangerous. Don't do that. And Jesus says nobody's fit to drive in the kingdom if you're constantly staring into ditches. You can't do it that way. You've got to have a single focused attention to Jesus. And he mentions the kingdom. Jesus wants us to understand following Christ means you stop fighting for your kingdom. You surrender your kingdom to his kingdom and you follow him not just as your friend, but as your king. He commands you and our response in following is to obey him. On March the 10th, 1974, 30 years after the end of World War II, the last Japanese soldier surrendered to the Allied troops. Hairu Onada had been sent to a tropical island in the Philippines with orders to conduct covert operations, defend his territory, and under no circumstances surrender to the enemy. And so when the war ended, he refused to believe the messages announcing that Japan had actually surrendered. For 30 years, he lived in this jungle, evading search parties and killing at least 30 local civilians in the process. After being contacted by a Japanese woman, he told her that he was waiting on an order from a superior officer before he would surrender. His former superior officer flew to the island and commanded him to lay down his weapons and conduct a full and unconditional surrender, which he did. He later wrote a book in which he made this statement. He says, I felt like a fool. What I had been doing all those years on that island, for the first time I really understood that the war was over. This was the end. I pulled back the bolt on my rifle and unloaded the bullets. I eased off the pack that I was always carrying with me and I laid the gun on top of it. The war was finally over. Now we look at that guy and say, what an idiot. You spent 30 years fighting in a war 
whose outcome was already determined and you missed out on so many years of freedom fighting for control. That guy's no more an idiot than some of you because Christ has called you to follow him and you continue to fight for control. Hold your position. I'm not surrendering. It doesn't seem safe out there. I'd much rather have control rather than giving Christ control. Really? You feel safer fighting for control than giving Christ control? Here's what the followers of Christ have understood. Our safety, our security, our significance are found in Christ. The cost of following Christ is a bargain. We get all of him and the only thing he gets of us is us. And that's all he's asking for. I'm going to invite you to become a follower of Christ. I'm going to pray for you. And as soon as I say amen, I'm going to invite you to do something that sounds kind of scary, kind of weird. I'm going to invite you to leave your seat if you've never become a follower of Christ. This may be totally new to you. The Bible may be new to you. These descriptions of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who left heaven to come here. He became one of us. He died on that cross in my place as a substitute for my sin and as an act of love and grace by his spirit he has spoken to you today he singled you out he knows your name he knows your sin he knows your hang-ups he knows how you're going to fail tomorrow and he's still calling you And some of you have held on to some religious ceremony, some religious tradition, some rule keeping. You're a good person. Listen, none of that will save you. It's only Christ. And he invites you to follow him this morning. So I'm gonna pray for you right now. And when I say amen, I'm gonna invite you to come. There'll be pastors and wives and elders and counselors down here, would you just come to them and say, today I'm I'm following Christ. I'm going to become a follower of Christ. I'm tired of wrestling. I surrender to following Christ. Jesus, thank you for the invitation to follow you. You don't owe that to us. God, you extend grace to sinners like me and as a 15-year-old to have my eyes open to the reality of forgiveness of sin and to see the destructive lifestyle I was living to give me the grace to turn my back on those things that I was following and to follow you and today just like the first day I surrender I pray for my friends here today that they would lay down their weapons they would surrender their battle their right to control and they would take a step towards you is the only one who can save. I pray in Jesus' name.
Stephen Curtis Chapman with the title song from his 1990 album, For the Sake of the Call. The disciples learned quickly the true cost of following Jesus. But as we heard Trent Griffith explaining today, they also knew it was worth it to abandon everything for Jesus. Any true follower of Christ understands that. Trent Griffith is a senior pastor of Gospel City Church, and we gather in Granger, Indiana and Elkhart County and we're in the process of planning Redemption City Church in South Bend. They'll be launching in about a month, and that is exciting news. If you want to learn more about Gospel City Church, check out mygospelcity.org. You can also find information about how to worship with us, either in person or online. Just click where you see I'm new here at mygospelcity.org. So what picture comes to your mind when I say the word missionary? Maybe you think of missionaries that you know or that your church supports. Or maybe you think of really holy people in not-so-stylish clothes chopping their way through the jungles to share Jesus with indigenous people. But do you ever picture yourself as a missionary? Next week on Resonate, we're going to see that Jesus thinks of you as an everyday missionary. We'll hear Pastor Trent explain that next week. Well, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that the implications of following Jesus would resonate in your heart this week. Here's Stephen Curtis Chapman to take us out. Not for the sake of a creed or a cause, not for a dream or a promise, simply because it is
Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.